0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. Tonight, we're going to talk about what shall we do. Oh, yeah what shall we do you know uh, last Wednesday evening our message centered around what we need to know do you remember I shocked some of you with the message what we need to know and uh, we said some things last week that kind of, you know, uh, may have been a little bit alarming. I didn't share them all with you. You should have come back on Thursday night. I got to share with the young adults and got to share with them some more things that, that you know, you ought to know. Let me tell you, there are a lot of things you ought to know. But I'm, I'm at the place. In fact, this morning while I was seeking God in prayer, I'd finished my Bible reading. And I'd, I'd uh, you know, just just spending, uh, you know, a really quiet morning with the Lord and extended time today with God and uh, as I was I I told him you know Lord uh, I'm uh, I know we need to know things you know you don't want us to be ignorant we need to know but Lord I don't hear anybody saying what we need to do (laughs) you know we don't just need to know what's going on around us there's you know we need someone to tell us what to do you know And so, tonight, I'm going to tell you what to do. And in case you are watching this in some future moment, look back on this and you'll say, he was right. Watch this, you know. I mean, it's going to happen. It, It will happen. Because the Word of God stands sure and secure. And this is not you know, uh, uh, it is a tough time for our nation, but it's not the toughest time that a nation has ever gone through, nor is it a problem that's big on some scale that God does not know what to do. You know, uh, I think maybe we heard on Sunday from Gary that, you know, God's not sitting in heaven. Uh, This is after we went off, uh, you know, uh, 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 we were here in our, just our on-campus group. God's not sitting in heaven, he said, drinking Pepto-Bismol out of a paper sack you know uh, that paper sack maybe you know uh, okay God's drinking out of a paper sack but (laughs) no he's not he's not drinking God does not have an ulcer he's not bothered God in fact is excited and when God is excited I want to be excited whenever God is 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 you know uh, you know uh, uh, up on the edge of his seat saying oh yes yeah you know I think it's it's coming time for the coming of the Lord uh, but whether or not He comes for anybody else or everybody else, he's coming for a lot of people today, tomorrow, next week, next year you know and and we need to help them be ready. so uh, today tonight we're going to discuss what we need to do. Well there was a time uh, let me give you a little bit of Bible catch up before we get to our bible text tonight there was a time in the life of king david after he had already gotten older in life not as old as he was going to yet but he had gotten older he had been you know he had been king over israel for maybe 30 32 33 34 years or so perhaps and he was an older man. He had brought peace and prosperity uh, to the nation of Israel and to Jerusalem. And, and uh, you know, um, it, it, was, uh, you know it, it was a time whenever he had done so much. Uh, and they, they started with basically, you know, not a lot to work with at the end of King Saul's reign and you know king david had you know he had built the army strengthened he he had done so much it was at that time when he was older in life that he faced one of the worst trials and one of the greatest enemies of his life you see during the reign of king david he had strengthened the armies he had staved off the, the the foreign invaders he had defeated the philistines in the land he had made peace with enemies and uh, he had brought prosperity to his people. But even though King David had not been a perfect man, yet it was evident uh, to anyone looking from the outside in and to most of those in the kingdom that David uh, had, you know, had been very successful. Uh, and, and he should have been appreciated for the things that he had done. I mean, he had done a lot. Um, but not every person felt that way. In fact, some of David's closest friends and even the members of his own family did not like him, did not appreciate him, and did not agree with him. Even though they ate at his table, even though they benefited from the riches and the wealth that he had brought to the nation, even though they had power and position because you know, he, he, had, he had been a part of strengthening uh, that, uh, nonetheless, they really did not like him. And The greatest enemies that David encountered in life were not those who came from foreign lands. It was not those that came to overthrow the kingdom from without, but rather the greatest enemies that David faced in life in all of his life were enemies who lived in the capital city of Jerusalem. In fact, those with whom David was most familiar, those whom he had reason to trust and those that he had trusted. Second Samuel gives us this account of one of the sons of David. Whose name was Absalom. The brief description that I'm going to give you leading up to our text for tonight is very brief. I do not, it's non exhaustive. It's, it's, non-exhaustive. it's, it's uh, I need you to go back and read 2 Samuel chapter 13, 14, 15, 16 in order to get a, a, a much greater picture of what was going on. But, Uh, uh, let me give you a little bit of background information before we begin to read our text Uh, and remember the intent of this message is to show us what to do uh, if we ever find ourselves our friends or our nation in such a place let me give you a little background in 2 Samuel chapter 13 the Bible tells us that Amnon who was the son of David raped his half sister, Tamar. Tamar was David's daughter by another wife. Amnon was David's daughter by different women. And Amnon raped Tamar. Tamar had a brother named Absalom who was a full brother, full blooded brother to her. When Absalom heard that day that Tamar had been raped, forcibly taken by Amnon, and then Amnon had cast her away, Absalom took her into his home and he comforted her grief and uh, uh, he, he just took care of his sister. Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 13, verse 21, that King David knew about this, and yet he did nothing. He decided not to address it. You know, uh, what, what, what a horrible thing to have happened. Two years later, you can read the whole story, but two full years later, Absalom invited Amnon and the other brothers out to a feast that he was having outside of the capital, and there he killed Amnon for raping his sister Tamar. King David, uh, you know, he grieved for Amnon. When Absalom killed his brother, half-brother Amnon, Absalom fled the country and went to his grandfather, his mother's father, who was king of Geshur. And there he stayed for three years. Three years later, the Bible says that David was consoled. He was over his grief for his son Amnon, who had been killed by Absalom. And he longed in his heart to see Absalom. But yet, there's no way he could invite him back to Jerusalem because he had murdered you know, one of the king's sons. And, but it ends up that one of David's friends, Joab, who was the captain of David's army, who was also friends with Absalom, conspired to get Absalom forgiven and brought back home. David wanted to do that, but he didn't know how. And, and through this conspiracy moment, it ended up that David invited Absalom to come back. To Jerusalem but he said I will not see his face he can come back and live home but I don't want to meet with him well Absalom came back home Joab went and got him and brought him back home and Absalom kept wanting to see his father he kept wanting to see his daddy he kept wanting to see the king and, 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 and yet the king would not see him over and over and over he kept asking and the king said no 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 and 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 he kept telling Joab why did you bring me back here I mean if 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 I'm not going to get to see the king if I mean if I'm in such disfavor I could have stayed with with my grandfather the king of uh, uh, Gesher but but no I'm here and so you know you can read the story it reads real wonderful actually what what Absalom did to get Joab's attention is he went and set his fields on fire Burned up his harvest. It got Joab's attention. And Joab went down and said, What do you? He said, Listen, I could have stayed over there. I want to see the king. And so Joab went to uh, David, and David finally agreed, because David heard what had happened. David finally agreed to meet with him. second Samuel 14, verse 33 says, So Joab went to the king and told him. You know, what? Your son burned my fields down. Come on, we got to get this straight. You know, come on. And when he had called for Absalom, Absalom came to King David and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king, King David, kissed his son Absalom. He loved his son. He loved him greatly. Continuing, as it moves from chapter 14 to chapter 15, 2 Samuel 15, verse 1 says, "After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots." Let me just throw a little commentary in right there. He didn't either. He didn't have any money. He was The king provided him chariots. He was spending the king's money. Okay. He but but, but he used the king's money. Okay, because it's not like he had a job. It happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses. Chariots, if you want to say it that way. Chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early. And stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision. That Absalom would call to him and say. What city are you from? And he would say. Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Verse 3. Then Absalom would say to him. Look. Look. Your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, then I would give him justice. And so it was, verse 5 says, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that Absalom would put out his hand and basically lift that person up and kiss him okay what was he doing verse 6 in this manner Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel it was an intent it was a plan it was uh, you know uh, Absalom didn't like his daddy Absalom was an angry young man He didn't appreciate him. He didn't like him. He didn't mind eating his food and spending his money, but he did not agree with him. And so Absalom continued stealing the hearts of men, of the men of Israel, by flattery and by telling them everything they wanted to hear. The Bible warns us against people who flatter us, against people who tell us things we want to hear. Yet they may be, there may be seven abominations in their heart, the Bible says. Well, he sowed seeds of distrust and division in the minds of the men of, of, of Jerusalem and, and all Israel. And, uh, you know, uh, he told them, you know, how you're not being listened to. You're not being favored. You know, that's one of the favorite ploys of the devil is to tell you that you're being treated wrong. Anytime you hear somebody trying to get you on their side because they're saying, I'm being treated wrong, I'm being treated, they're treating me wrong. They're not treating me right. They should be better to me. Listen, just realize that is a voice of the devil because life is not about you. Mark those which cause division among you. The Bible says, and have no fellowship with them. Don't just be a part of the crowd that is a complaining crowd, a divisive word. This is what was happening right there in front of the court on the, on, 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 on the palace steps to the best of people. You're not being treated right. You know. Maybe Absalom should have gotten a job and he wouldn't have had so much time on his hand to, you know, to, to, you know, just he he didn't need to be living off the courts. Maybe he could have spent a little more time, you know, providing for himself and he wouldn't have had so much time to steal the hearts. But Absalom had a plan all along. He wanted to be king. And the only way that Absalom could be king, this is replayed throughout history and will be until, you know, the, the, the final day that the only way that someone can be king, you know, is that they have to have the backing of other people. They have to have the backing of the army, the military. They have to have the backing of rich people. They have to have the backing of influential people. They have to have some backing of common people. But they have to make sure that they can get a group of people together to support them to be king or they cannot Speaking, and Absalom and his allies created such discontentment, as much discontentment as possible with those who are in power. And then Absalom went a few miles out of town. You should read it. It reads better than I'm telling it. He went a few miles out of town, out of Jerusalem, out of the capital city to a place called Hebron where he had been born. And he invited some key people to come with him who knew what he was doing. They knew his plan. And then the Bible says he also invited a large group of innocent people who had no knowledge what was going on. Why? Because you have to have some innocent people on your side, or else you won't make it. You have to have some people who don't know anything, so you have to keep truth from a lot of people if you want them to support your anarchy or your takeover or your coup. Okay? Because you have to have some common people involved. And that's what he did. I mean, it's, it's a Bible you know, story. You can read it. I'm not making this up. Okay, He invited a group of innocent people uh, and, uh, uh, to help him with his plan. And when they all got down to Hebron, those who knew the plan... They shouted because they had been told, "Okay, at this moment you shout and you crown me king, and you begin to shout and say, you know, Absalom is king, Absalom is king." And so they did that. And all the people went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" But we're already here. I mean, it's you know, it's almost like what happened in in in, in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus, whenever 25,000 people showed up at that uh, at, at at that theater, and the Bible said for the most of them they didn't even know why they were there. They were just there because everybody else was shouting. They started shouting. And everybody was against Paul, so they were against Paul because everybody else is. So all they're hearing is what the crowd. Uh, all they're hearing is exactly what they, they, uh, you know, the leaders have said. Say this. Say this. Say this. So they were saying it. Saying it's the same thing happened at the trial of Jesus. It's the same thing at Jesus' trial. Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas! Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! And the people, you know, the the the, the common people shouting that did not even know what they were doing. They were just a part of the loud crowd. You know, when King David realized that Absalom had done this and that Absalom had been crowned king, and that Absalom and his group were marching toward Jerusalem. King David gathered his family, friends that were with him, you know, some of his close supporters, the mighty men. There were 30 mighty men in that group, as we understand. Some of these men had killed 800 people with a, with a sword and a spear. Okay? These were no pushovers. He gathered these men, he took his stuff, and he quickly left the palace because he did not want war to come to Jerusalem. He did not want to divide the kingdom. It was his hope and his goal. And he did not want, you know, he didn't want to tear up. What he had spent, you know, years building. Now, now that you've got the background, basically, let's get to the part of the story that I want to share tonight in 2 Samuel 15. You got the picture of David is leaving. Absalom is on his way. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives. For those of you who go with us in June, should the Lord allow that, I'll, 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 I'll walk you up that same ascent. Right between the Mount of Olives and Mount Scopus, there's a little thing that leads over into the, the Judean desert, as it were, and right down you know, across the Jordan River. What a marvelous, marvelous walk it is. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and he went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. Verse 31. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness Ahithophel who is Ahithophel Ahithophel was one of David's oldest and closest and most trusted friends and supporters one of David's closest counselors he was a very well-known voice in Israel And he exercised great influence over the military. He exercised great influence over those who had gained great wealth during David's reign. He exercised great influence and great power and great position because David had given him that position. And he had brought the nation into a great place of prosperity. A lot of people there had jobs because of him. Ahithophel was also the grandfather of Bathsheba, King Solomon's mother. When David heard that Ahithophel had sided with the conspirators to save his own cushy job so he wouldn't lose his position, so he wouldn't have to walk over the mountain into the desert. <laughs> so he wouldn't have to leave with King David. He chose the next, you know, this guy, keep me a job. When, when, when David saw that, you can read it, but when it saw it, it broke David's heart even farther. Jewish rabbis tell us that David wrote Psalms 55, which is a messianic psalm. But he wrote Psalm 55 referring to this moment. Let me read a few verses out of Psalm 55 for you to see if you can pick it up. As he's walking across the Mount of Olives, leaving, his son is coming. Verse 9. Confuse them, Lord, and frustrate their plans, for I see violence and conflict in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders, but the real danger is wickedness within the city. Boy, you would think that that could be written for so many times. Even such a time as this. Verse 11, everything is falling apart. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me I could have hidden from them instead it is you my equal my companion my close friend what good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God well back to the account of second samuel I encourage you to read Psalms 55 and also 49. You know, uh, it's, you know, uh, we need to find out what to do in our today by seeing what God did through His servant in that day. What do we do when we observe or experience a moment of betrayal? A moment of danger, lying and cheating in the streets. Things are falling apart. Threats are rampant in the streets. Uh, patrols are in the cities, uh, uh, capital city, uh, and danger and, 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 and you know uh, uh, confusion and frustration and violence and conflict in our cities. What do we do? It's not enough just to know it's going on. It's not enough just to hear that it's happening. What? Can you do? Second Samuel sixteen, verse five. David is continuing to walk, and when he comes, now when King David came to Bahurim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continually as he came. And he threw stones at David and all of David's and, and, and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men. These 30 mighty men, some of them, I mean, come on, some of them can you know, kill 800 people with a spear. There's mighty men on David's right and left, and here's a guy on the other side of this little valley throwing rocks and cursing David and cursing all of them. And they, these guys could take him out like that. Then Abishai, one of the, uh, the the son of Zeruiah said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my king? Please let me go over there and take his head off. (laughs) Well, these guys were ready to avenge, right? And David said to Abishai and all the servants, See how my son who came from my own body seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite. Let him alone. Let him curse. For so the Lord has ordered it. Verse 12. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction. And that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And David and, and, and as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite them and cursed as he went and threw stones at King David and kicked up dust. He was having himself a fit, wasn't he? Well, as I said, you can read the rest of the story and how Absalom dishonored King David in front of all the people how the new king, King Absalom, really greatly dishonored David and did things in public that are a shame to even be spoken of. And how Ahithophel ended up going out and hanging himself because he was so frustrated that Absalom didn't make him head counselor. And then Absalom hung himself by his own pride and had no way of protecting himself from execution and ended up being executed. And how David, because of God, was restored and how this rock thrower finally met his end because of his own arrogance not at David's hand David let him live it was King Solomon that ended up giving this man a choice and the man so arrogant thought he he was above the law Solomon just made a simple law I'll let you live even though what you did to my father was wrong I'll let you live but you cannot leave this city and all Solomon did was just wait because he knew this arrogant man would go off the reservation at some point point. and when he did he killed him well for now What shall we do? If we ever observe or experience such disappointment, such injustice, such attack on ourselves, our friends, our nation, our leaders, what should we do? Well, I offer you three things tonight. These are Bible things. I have endeavored and have maintained an integrity to never preach at issues, but to preach the word of the living God. But I am so grateful and thankful to God that he has given us answers by his own design with every issue that we have faced. tonight. I am not intending on speaking to any issues. God knows my heart is clean. He knows that my hands are clean. And he knows that I have no vested interest in anything but his unfolding will. But if this message speaks to the situation our nation is facing today, then let me be the first to say praise his name for the good word that he has given us in the midst of turmoil and in the midst of confusion and indecision. I am grateful and thankful that I attend and that my family and friends attend a church and that there is a word going out that I know has the integrity of God's backing behind it because there is no political political ideology in my bones. I don't have a dog in this fight. I am a soldier of the cross and a preacher of the word of Almighty God. I would not bow. I would not stoop to bring about some issue that favored one group over another group, but I will not bend to share with you the word of Almighty God. God gave me this word, and I am proud to deliver it. Don't hide behind a thought that I have some ulterior motive, and don't hide behind that and harden your hearts or minds to not let this word penetrate where it needs to in your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Number one. Don't try to save yourself by siding with the enemy. Don't do what Ahithophel did. Don't think that changing sides or changing your rhetoric or changing your speech. Whenever you're with the group, don't think that changing to be like them is going to save you in some way. It won't. You deserve the integrity of your heart. Be honest, be kind. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be frustrated. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with them, but you need to agree with God and don't change your theology and do not change the convictions of your heart trying to save your own skin trying to save your own position let me tell you every one of you in political office don't change your convictions trying to hope to get another vote in the next round of elections whatever your convictions are stick to them stick to them don't think that changing sides And away from your heart, whether you are for it or against it. God wishes that you were hot or that you were cold. But because you're wishy-washy, you make him sick at his stomach. And he wants to vomit you up. Stand your ground. And I'm not telling you what ground to stand on. But there's some things you need to know. And there's some things you need to do. And one of the things you need to do is to not try to save your own skin, your own position, your own power by siding with the enemies, your enemies, the enemies of a nation. Number two, let God deal with the rock throwers and those who curse good men. Let God deal with rock throwers. God did not have a problem with David. The rock thrower did. The dust kicker did. The cursor did. And if he could have, he would have killed him. David could have killed the rock thrower any day. He was wise to let God deal. Let him curse me. Perhaps God will hear this. And maybe God will see the injustice of it. Number three, and this perhaps is the most important, stay connected to God through prayer. Every time David heard something new, he went to God. He didn't say, let's go back and kill Ahithophel. He said, when he heard it, he said, oh Lord, oh God, oh God. He went to God. Whenever they were throwing rocks at him, he went to God. No, don't. Maybe God will hear this. Let's appeal to God. Let's appeal to God's sense of justice. Our nation needs people who will appeal to God. And stay connected to God even when you hear news that you're unhappy with. Whatever news it may be. And believe me today, this applies to both sides. Because what, you know, what is happening on one side today will happen on the other side tomorrow. It is just always and has always been like this. And it will. And yet we stand here as a light the light of hope shining in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We should not and cannot afford to begin to champion some political party, right or left, or to champion some other group above the convictions, of the Word of Almighty God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Stay connected to God. No matter what happened, David always, he was always conscious of how can I please God given these facts, given these circumstances, given these situations. Whether he messed up with Bathsheba or whether he messed up in cutting off Saul's garment Wherever David messed up, you find him on his knees, convicted by the Holy Spirit. And saying, what can I do now, God, to please you? And he learned later in life not to mess up. Because he could go to God first and say, what can I do to please you in this situation? There is always something you can do to please God. Let me ask you. What can you do to please God in your job? What can you do to please God in your marriage? What can you do to please God in your finances? What can you do to please God in church, in our nation, in politics, in the situation that we face today? What would please God? What can you do To please God. Do that. Do that. Do that. These are the foundation stones upon which great lives and great nations are built. Let's build a great life. Let's build a great church. Let's build a great community. Let's build a great nation. It'll be built on prayer. Stay connected to God. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.